0: I mean, one of the great things that i didn't take advantage of was i had a nine to five day job and so i could just shut it off at the end of the day and i didn't and it wasn't because i necessarily wanted to do all these things it's because i felt like i had to
1: welcome to the 74th episode of the struggling scientist podcast we are a podcast by scientists for scientists any many science adjacent and perhaps even hobbyists my name is anna and i'm here with my co-host jaron hi as an academic you get a lot of opportunities sometimes an overwhelming amount of them, but saying no to anything can feel like a missed opportunity. You can feel like you're missing out, also known as Science FOMO. We're talking with our guest Shane Hanlon, who is sharing his story and advice to help academics and researchers understand and deal with Science FOMO, so that you might get some free time after all. So let's start. Welcome, Shane. It's so nice to have you on our podcast.
0: Yeah, it's uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me
1: yes
2: so before we get started talking about today's topics we would love to know a little bit more about you could you maybe introduce yourself to our listeners uh, who are you what is your scientific background and do you have any interesting hobbies
0: sure yeah i am uh i am currently new to this role i am executive editor of uh brand lab at the american chemistry society which is we are science marketers so folks come to us and we create storytelling opportunities and content like videos and audio and white papers and ebooks and websites and that type of thing to help them spread their message uh i am not a chemist by training i actually have a phd in biology so i was in conservation and ecology work and uh made my way to where i am now circuitously like many folks do part of the science filmo thing that i'll get into a little bit more uh when it comes to interesting hobbies i i haven't done this in a while but i'm looking mm-hmm. to get back into it in the new year i at one point would make science songs uh about like famous scientists mm-hmm. uh, so i i'm in a In my home in a studio that is mostly for podcasting but there's also a drum set and a guitar and stuff behind me so yeah that's one of my nerdier endeavors that i haven't done in a while but i'm hoping to get back into
1: cool cool i like also that that's the nerdy part and not the science (laughs) 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 okay time for a short intermezzo because we got a special announcement haven't we
2: we sure do Alongside all these fascinating subjects we discuss here, we've been working on something pretty special for our fellows academics and researchers.
1: We're talking about our upcoming masterclass on social media for academics. Social media can be such a powerful tool for academics and scientists, but this is not something many people realize.
2: It's all about leveraging social media to enhance your academic presence. And guess who's leading the course? Us! We're sharing all our tips and experiences from building a huge following on platforms like Twitter and Instagram.
1: Yep, over 70,000 followers and counting. But it's not just about the numbers. We're going to show you how to make your research stand out, network with peers globally, and even have some fun along the way.
2: And we're not just talking theory here. We've got practical tips, tricks, and even some of our own social media secrets. It's like a behind-the-scenes peek at how to make social media really work for you in the academic world.
1: No dry lectures, just a lot of real talk and actionable advice. Plus, you know, we always enjoy a good laugh.
2: So if you've ever wondered how to make your work more visible, connect with fellow academics, or just make the most out of platforms like Twitter and LinkedIn, then this masterclass is for you.
1: Head over to our website to sign up via the socialmedia masterclass or click the link in the description.
2: Trust us, it's going to be worth it. And hey, who doesn't like being a bit of a social media star, right?
1: So uh, to dive right into our topic, science FOMO, um, in the context of scientific research and academia, what what is science FOMO, and what led you to 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 call it this?
0: Yeah, I this actually this came up a, a handful of years ago. I was um, FOMO, it's fear of missing out, uh, which is a think a common thing for a lot of folks from a just um, like a personal want to hang out with friends type of thing like are you always doing enough or are you missing out on the cool party or the cool thing that your friends are doing or whatever and i realized that i i didn't really have a lot of i was fortunate that i didn't really have a lot of imposter syndrome uh when i was coming up and i i recognized that that's uh a, a good thing uh for me specifically but i did have this feeling that no matter what I did, whether it was when I was an active researcher or anything I've done since then, I've never thought that I was doing enough. So it wasn't quite, am I good enough? It is, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough research or teaching or outreach? Or now that I'm out of academia, am I still connected to those things? And so my, my idea of science FOMO is, Am I doing enough now as a non-researcher uh, to fulfill this thing in my head, this expectation that I have, that I need to be a certain thing, need to be doing a certain amount of things. And I have this fear that maybe I'm not.
2: <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, maybe just a little joking question. Is being part, is being on this podcast secretly also part of your science FOMO? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean yes short answer <laughs> is yes I well it, it, part of it is I just want to make sure I'm still kind of out in mm. the world and doing sciency things and I did a podcast I uh, part of my previous role was I was executive producer and co-host of a podcast and I I really missed that mm. and so I would it's been a long time since I've been behind the mic uh and I was like yes, yeah this will be a great opportunity for a number of reasons but also I just <laughs> I kind of want to be doing podcast stuff again <laughs> it's fun <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes okay um so science fomo is something that you have dealt with while you were still in academia but also now that you're out of it um how do you think it impacts mental health and work-life balance
0: in the in in kind of the beginning when i first realized that this is at least what i was going to call it it wasn't it wasn't great uh because i I felt like I just needed to be doing all the things all the time. And this was, it really manifested, I'd say, once I got out of my PhD, I ended up um, moving, I'm in the States, I ended up moving to the DC area, working in government for a little bit in science policy. And I loved the opportunity, but I wasn't doing research anymore. I wasn't teaching anymore. I wasn't doing outreach. I wasn't doing a lot of the things that I thought it meant like I thought, what being a scientist was, like what I thought I, these these pre um, conceived notions I had, and so I just did everything. I did my nine to five day job, which was in science policy for the government, and then I would take on all sorts of extracurriculars. I would write questions for science bowls. I took, became an adjunct professor. I got involved in a storytelling organization. I volunteered at our zoo in D.C. and. Oh, that was really fun, but it was bad for work-life balance. I mean, one of the great things that I didn't take advantage of was I had a nine-to-five-day job, and so I could just shut it off at the end of the day, and I didn't. And it wasn't because I necessarily wanted to do all these things. It's because I felt like I had to. Um, so it wasn't – for me personally, when beginning, it was it was probably more of a detriment than anything else. Uh, I've learned – I've, I've been out of academia for, I don't know, 10-ish years now, and I've learned to balance a little bit better, just my work-life balance in general. So my my FOMO manifests in opportunities like these. I do kind of more one-off things or things that are a little bit more manageable for my time. Uh, but it's definitely still there. It just looks a little bit different. Mm.
1: Mm, I can definitely imagine as a PhD student who also started a podcast, I also struggle (laughs) to say no to things, (laughs) but it is a lot of fun.
2: And now maybe to to touch on it a little bit more, um, do you feel like the science formal uh, occurs at more sort of specific times? uh, as you're busy with maybe a project or something like that, say like writing a thesis or a manuscript, it's like, that's when I want to, I don't know, start a podcast. Is <laughs> <It's
1: laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> it procrastination?
0: Um, for me, it, that, that actually is pretty true for me. It was when I was, or when I am doing just like kind of one thing mm. or focusing in on one thing at a time. Uh, it's, it might be a little ironic that I consider myself a, Kind of a generalist, but I got a PhD. Like I did a dissertation. I, I, ex, I have expertise in one very specific thing, and I think that's when it first kind of when I was doing the PhD, but still in um, still actively doing research. I think that's when it first came up because I was just so focused in on I have to. I have to study for my comps or I have to write my thesis where there are a lot of things about being in the sciences that I enjoyed beyond just like the one thing. And so when that's that's definitely when it probably happened then. And even now I notice when I'm just kind of focusing in on one thing, I want to be doing different things. I don't want to be just kind of pigeonholed into one thing. So, yeah, I think that. It comes up more often when my focus is more singular because I'm just the type of person that doesn't necessarily want to be scattered, but I Mm -hmm. want to be dabbling in a bunch of different things at any given time.
2: Mm. And maybe related to that, do you think it's like, how should I put this sort of when you start dabbling into different things that it's very different things? Like, um, let's say you're, you're busy with your manuscript and then suddenly you want to start bouldering or do you is it like i'm busy with this project i've I've hit this roadblock now here and maybe i'll focus on this other project uh and work harder on that one Yeah. You know?
0: yeah it was always it was always still in the sciences mm-hmm. it was uh I, yeah it could have been a different project it could have been just something else that i could attach the science label mm-hmm. to because that's part of the not feeling like I was doing enough or not feeling like I was being enough of a scientist mm. almost. Yeah. And so there was lots of outside of science hobbies. I, I like to do a bunch of different things that have no science connection, but always something science adjacent. And also so that I could say, okay, well, I should be doing this thing, but I don't want to be doing this thing right now. So I'm gonna do something else, but it's still in the sciences. Mm. So it counts. It's still productive. Yeah, it's still, still productive. kind <laughs> of going towards that final goal. Yep.
1: Yes. Okay. Do you think um, academic culture makes it worse? Does it feed into it?
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. Because I mean, we talked so much about imposter syndrome, which happens all the time, obviously. And I feel like academic culture definitely feeds into that. I actually feel like again, for me, not being in academia kind of fed into it more. uh, Because one thing about being an academic pros and cons to this, but you're just expected to do all sorts of different things. Um, It is part of the job of being an academic, that it is research and sometimes teaching and there are outreach and there's like working and collaborating and managing potential like undergraduates or whatever it might be. And so I felt it when I was in uh, doing when I was doing research, but it really came out later when my job was this one thing. Mm-hmm. But I still missed all of this other stuff. So I, it's academia probably does uh, influence it a little bit. But again, for me, it was more so being out of academia and not being expected to do all sorts of different things, mm-hmm. which was nice, frankly, from a work-life balance. But also this worry that i might forget something or that i might miss something or that yeah i I would miss out on some opportunity that i would just had naturally if i was still in academia
1: Mm. i do feel academia sometimes tends to say that if you leave academia you will miss out on all these opportunities and your job won't be diverse enough and so in that sense, the stereotypes that academia has about like leaving academia might definitely play a role in, in how you felt outside of that afterwards.
0: That is definitely true. Uh, one thing that I, I worried about so long, because when I when I left academia, I didn't I, I didn't leave because I had a uh, if I that I didn't enjoy it, I had a bad experience, I actually really enjoyed being a researcher, really enjoy my academic experience, just something better for me came along. Mm-hmm. But I always had this idea for quite some time that maybe I'll come back, maybe I'll get back into this world, maybe. And so I always I never really quite let go of that. And you're right, when I, uh, it kind of, I was worried that there were these opportunities or just fun things that were happening to or for my colleagues or for peers that I had that were still in academia. Even to this day, I had a conversation with a friend yesterday who's uh, a tenured professor. And I think, oh, yeah, there's some really cool things about that that I would really enjoy. And so it's still there. Uh, There's still something kind of pulling me back because there is this this uh, question I have, like, am I actually missing something that I could have had that? I won't and I I think that's okay but that that ping is still Mm. there
2: yeah and maybe to touch on it a little bit more as well um do you think that there might be other sort of external factors outside of academia like for example social media that also play a role that reinforces this feeling of like I see other people doing this scientific related thing maybe I should have a look at that as well or I'm missing out
0: oh 100 (laughs) percent I I have uh Yeah, social media, especially. And I admittedly, I haven't been on as much lately. And that's, that's frankly more just because my jobs changed. A lot of my job previously was in social media. Um, And so I had to see all these things. But I see friends, peers, just folks that I know through the community who are doing so many amazing things. And I, part of it is, uh, oh, that's really cool. Like, I wish I could be doing that. And part of it's just kind of this guilt I have on myself sometimes that should I be also like they seem to be doing a thousand things and having a great life and have like somehow achieving work-life balance why am I not doing that Mm -hmm. why can't I be doing that so social media just even talking to folks or just seeing a person's name pop up for winning some an award or publishing their most recent manuscript or whatever it is there's definitely an influence there and it definitely uh affects how i feel about it
1: hmm. sure we are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor Jenny AI. not only does jenny make our podcast possible it also makes our life as scientists so much easier jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in our ai tools
2: Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of.
1: Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers. Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list.
2: And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot, and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny, and if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount.
1: Now oh, I can imagine that there's um also some positive sides to it you get a lot of cool opportunities you have done a lot of cool stuff like podcasting <laughs> it's very cool um so it's not only bad i would say um do you think it largely depends on the situation um uh, what's your take on it and do you have also some examples of all the opportunities it has brought you
0: it, it's definitely not bad uh, i i i have done a lot of things that i wouldn't have done otherwise if I didn't feel this way. Um, the, the biggest opportunity I've probably gotten because I, I just want to be doing more all the time is uh, when I, when I, when I, Uh, Got my PhD, moved to D.C., got in science policy, and I was in a a fellowship, and I had an opportunity as part of this fellowship to work with the the science storytelling organization a Story Collider. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, The fellows in my group, we ended up doing like a special show with the Story Collider, we did that at a museum. I helped kind of coordinate it. But then I told a story. If, if folks aren't familiar, people tell stories about science in the broadest sense, usually like live on stage at a bar. This was in a museum. Uh, but I I did this thing. It was really personal. It was one of the most personal things I've ever done, definitely in public. And I loved it. I had this, such a fun time doing this. And I kind of just held on to that after for a little bit. And once I got settled, I like where I was living. I did start having this ping of, okay, what else can I do? I I have my job. Like what else could I be doing? I was like, Oh, I reach out to story Clyde, or maybe there's some volunteer opportunities. Maybe there's something, whatever it might be. And to my surprise, they were thinking about starting a standing show in the city. I was in, in DC and asked me if I wanted to be the producer who ran DC. And so (laughs) my, my, I, my curiosity, or I guess my, my, um, need to do more things uh, led me from just being interested in this thing to being then one of the two lead producers in DC. And we that was years ago now. We've been doing shows ever since. So if I didn't have that desire, that need to do more, I don't know if that opportunity would have ever come about. And it's frankly one of the most fun science related things I do that has nothing to do well not nothing but that's not my day job Mm -hmm. so there have been really great opportunities that's come of it certainly Mm -hmm.
2: yeah I I wonder right so this now you had this opportunity that you could not have predicted before when you started it but I can imagine you also had like multiple opportunities or multiple different things that you wanted to pursue sort of simultaneously not necessarily sequentially or something like that uh, how do you decide which one you're gonna do does it is it more fun related is it impact related what what's your decision making on that
0: i I can honestly say I never got to the point where I had to decide one or the other because I just never said no um there, <laughs> that's, a science and, and <laughs> and that's really true there was a point uh I in the middle of all of this at some point like there were some fellowships and then my permanent job. And I was uh, I was unemployed for a handful of months, three or four months between things. And at that point, it just took on everything. Mm-hmm. And I because I had nothing else going on during the day. So I, I was doing Story Collider and I was um, working at our zoo and I was writing questions and I was doing all sorts of other things. Mm-hmm. And and I just said yes to all of those opportunities, partly science film. But frankly, I just I needed money at the time. Like I, I didn't have a job. And as time went on, I got more solid in my career and I got a full-time job. And the problem with that is that it was hard letting go. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's where the decisions had to come in because I felt like, and that's where the FOMO came in that if I let go of something, I was letting go of part of who I was as a scientist, I was letting go of what it meant to be a scientist, because if I don't have all of these things, and who am I as a scientist, I'm just a guy working a nine to five. Mm. And so that was the really tough part. And I just had to, the decisions I made were based on Yeah, what I what I enjoyed most uh, in the moment. And so Story Collider is really the one that stayed. Uh, I still do a handful of things once in a while, but Story Collider stayed because I I love doing that. I love shows. I love being part of that group. The organization's really great, but it was tough at first because I I did wonder what's. What will this do to me as a person? What will this do to me as a scientist? How will I feel about it? And I did. I had those pangs of missing. I had those pangs of am I enough? Am I doing enough? And eventually over time, most of that went away. Um, and it went from being detrimental, like, Am I missing this? And is this am I mean, missing is me missing this a bad thing? To now, for the most part, uh, when I miss something or I want to do something, it's a, it's a benefit, but yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't easy Mm. and there was some uh, regret and I don't, I per now don't regret the decisions I made, but it definitely wasn't just a clean break. Everything's Mm. great.
2: (laughs) And so now I'm actually wondering, so you've evolved in terms of your, your, how you've experienced science FOMO in the past and up until now and how you handle it. Uh, say someone is struggling a little bit with their science FOMO now, what strategies would you recommend for someone who is currently struggling with it, uh, especially maybe a PhD student right now?
0: For me, one really effective thing was just to kind of step back and assess where I was at. Hmm. I personally have a problem slowing down. Hmm. I, I It's part of the inability to say no to things. It's part of the, I just, like, yes, 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 do, do, do. I don't like... I don't like time to think I don't like I constantly have stuff in my ears all the time I'm listening to things. And so I didn't really have opportunities to assess, I didn't really have times to really take stock. And so my if if there are folks out there who want to do all the things, but might not have capacity for it, literally just step back and take stock of what you're doing. And combination of do you think it's, it'll be good for career advancement, obviously, but does it bring you joy? Mm-hmm. I feel like we do so many things that not everything's going to make you happy all the time, but if you're doing extra, do you enjoy doing extra? And that's one thing that I had to think about. All the things I was doing, what did what was the perfect combination of, is this good for me down the road for my career, but also do I like it? and that's what allowed some things to slip away. And so, it's an easy thing to say, honestly, just like step back and take stock of who you are and what's going on in your life. But I I did it and it wasn't easy mm-hmm. and it was uh there weren't kind of clear lines frankly when I when I first uh d- thought about this, but ultimately it was how good is this for me, but honestly, how much am I enjoying this? Uh because there's a lot of things especially while getting a PhD or an advanced degree, the process is tough. Mm -hmm. And if we're really fortunate, we enjoy it, but not all of it, that's impossible. And so find elements that really make you happy to balance out the stuff that just by its nature won't, but you need to do anyways. Mm -hmm. And so that might not be a satisfactory kind of really actionable answer but i feel like happiness especially with all of this extra stuff really matters because there's so many things out there that we can do um and if we can find things that make us happy that's just an added bonus
2: mm. it almost makes you not worry as much about all the things that that you are missing out on because you're happy with the things that you are doing uh, no.
0: yeah precisely
1: yes okay um to close this off we just wanted to ask you what has been the best, but also the worst outcomes of your science FOMO? <laughs> uh,
0: I'll start. I'll start with worse. Uh, I, there was a point right after my PhD, mostly where uh, I, I wasn't happy. I, I was, I was unhappy because I didn't know if I wanted to leave academia full time, but I was unhappy because I didn't know if I wanted to stay either. So there was that decision. And then I was just like piling on with all of this extra stuff, uh, thinking that all these extra things would make me much happier. And then I still was missing a bunch of stuff that I wasn't doing. I was I was seeing my friends. I was still in contact with a lot of folks from university. Um, I was seeing folks go to postdocs or get professor positions. And I, I was too worried about what everyone else was doing, kind of back to that earlier question, and not what was good for me. And so that was really tough. And it just it there it was a time thing where eventually, yeah, like I mentioned, things fell away. I figured it out and um and I got a lot uh I got happier, which was which was very nice. Uh the best thing, I mean, aside from specifically Story Collider, is that I've done a bunch of different stuff in the larger science umbrella, um, independent of the different types of jobs I've had now being outside of academia, but just I storytelling, podcasting, doing stuff with, I was on like reels and TikTok for a time, just trying all of these different things. The, the sense of Well, I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to do this. That's been the net positive, and I think the thing that's been really good about it, and it's taken a long time, is learning for myself that I can try something, and if it doesn't work, it's okay to say goodbye. It's okay to let it go. Letting go is really difficult, uh, but without this kind of need or want to do all the different things, I wouldn't have been able to do as much as I've done in the first place. So uh, it hasn't always been easy, but the ultimate outcome is I'm happy that I have this in me and happy that I've been able to find a balance of wanting to do things, but not really being overwhelmed. Mm
2: -hmm. No, nice. Okay. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today, Shane on this topic.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Thank you.
2: We, well, if people would like to find you and learn more about science, FOMO and, Getting in in touch with you, uh, where can they best do so?
0: I am uh, somewhat active on social media these days. I'm at Ecology of Shane, all one word. You can find me, Uh, and then I have a um, a link tree at ShaneMHanlon dot com. So that's most of my stuff. There's podcasts and stories and all sorts of stuff like that. I'm I'm very Googleable because (laughs) I've created this profile for myself. (laughs) Nice.
1: Where people can find all the things that your science FOMO has uh, led you to.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes.
1: Okay, uh, for our listeners, if you have any questions, suggestions or comments, you can reach out to us via our website, thestrugglingscientist.com. You can also check out our website to sign up for the awesome Journal of the Struggling Scientist, also known as our newsletter. And if you have enjoyed this episode, then leave us a rating on your favorite podcast listening platform as it helps us grow and reach more struggling scientists out there. You can also follow us on social media, Jadons, which ones are those again?
2: X, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and now YouTube.
1: Yes, and we're just the struggling scientist everywhere. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you again next time. Bye. Bye.